Hi, Gray Matters community. This is Charmaine. Hi, this is Ricky, and welcome back to another episode of Gray Matters. For this episode, we're going to have a continuing conversation about spiritual activism with the Intuitive Wellness Podcast. Um, and in this episode, we're going to specifically talk about identity and healing. This is an extension of our spiritual activism series or another episode in our long series of spiritual activism. So we have quite a few episodes on this from season one. So please go back and listen to those. You don't have to listen to them in order. Um, but if you do, you will get a little bit more insight into what spiritual activism is. We also have a post on our Instagram feed, which goes into the insights of spiritual activism. So go ahead and check that out as well. That's at Gray Matters, the blog on Instagram and stay tuned. And we hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone. This is Charmaine. I'm here from Gray Matters, and we are here with Intuitive Wellness Podcast. Hi, everyone. Um, this is Ricky. I am also a co-host of Gray Matters. And to give a brief introduction about Gray Matters, the blog, we are a blog and a podcast that focuses on centering marginalized voices, discussing complex theory in an accessible way, and discussing and also um, bring shedding light to uncomfortable topics. Um, and throughout our course of podcasts and blog posts, all of our posts cover special topics from feminism, womanism, um, also spiritual activism, which is the series that we started in series in season, season one. Um, and we are continuing this series in season two. And we are so excited to collab with Intuitive Wellness Podcast to talk about spiritual activism, identity, and healing. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Tamara and I are so excited to, to have this conversation with you. Um, so for your listeners, Tamara and I are an Intuitive Wellness Podcast. And Intuitive Wellness is a podcast created um, for witchy, introspective individuals who are interested in activism and who um, we really want to prioritize this idea that healing yourself and doing your inner work is part of activism. Um, and so we talk about relationships with identity, with oppressive systems, um, and with spirituality and kind of navigating those journeys and finding tools that have been healing for us and for, and for our guests. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. I'm Samara. I'm the other half of Intuitive Wellness Podcast. And the only thing that I always like to add about what our podcast is and what we're doing here is if people are familiar with the concept of intuitive eating, we like to think about intuitive wellness in the same way. So the idea that your journey to bringing about wellness for yourself and also bringing about wellness for the world really is an intuitive process and only you know what's going to work best for you. So we talk about finding your own sense of sovereignty and agency in designing your plan for your life and your plan for your activism. So hope that helps. And I'm so excited to have this conversation with Gray Matters today. Thank you. Thank you, Samara and Lolly. We're very excited to have this conversation as well. Um, one of the things that we're kind of focusing on today, or our broader topic is like Ricky mentioned, spiritual activism, but we're delving a little bit more into healing and identity. And there's so much that could be said on this conversation, so many different ways that that can go. Um, but we really like, we just, we want to like delve right into it. Like 
you know, what is healing? Like we've talked about healing a little bit through spiritual activism in our previous episodes, especially we were introduced the topic, um, and kind of this like non-linear thought and work process. I think that's really important when we talk about healing as well. So let's get into it. Yeah. So I think as you're saying like non-linear healing, um, I think at least the way that I interpret that is that like as we were born in the society, we were kind of given like a lot of these templates around our identity. And a lot of this is like framed by white supremacist, colonial just ideas that are so permeated in our culture. Um, and so healing has also kind of um, been constructed as like, you have to follow these rules to heal. Like there's this mm -hmm. issue that's wrong with you and you need this thing to fix it. Um, and so, I guess in our journeys, we've been, at least I have been realizing that that's not really how it works. It's not like there's a problem with me. There's my anxiety, there's my depression. I need to fix it with this pill or this therapist or whatever it is. Um, but it's it's an ongoing journey. There's no such thing as, as being fixed, as reaching an, an end line for healing. Um, it's an ongoing process. And I see it as more of like a spiral. Like you work on a certain issue, a certain trauma that has been in your family or that um, you have since childhood and you get better and then as you get better it comes up again in a different way and you get deeper into it and that's what healing at least from my perspective is um, that's a better better way to to look at it or to describe it yeah i i appreciate that a lot and i appreciate you putting your personal perspective on it as well because it's like kind of like what you said it's dismantling and deconstructing this really entrenched and kind of permeated process that's or this process that's kind of like been deeply permeated and socialized in our psyche and our culture and kind of deconstructing that dismantling that trying to on a individual and collective level work through that is a very um it's it's a nonlinear process but it's it's can also be quite arduous. It can be, um, it's really a journey. It's kind of, I think how we like to describe it and look at it. How Ricky and I have talked about it is, especially on the podcast, is like looking at it as a journey and like that kind of cliche um, saying where it's like, it's not the, you know, it's not just like the destination, but it's like the journey and all the, the things that you learn through that journey that really um, kind of become this, uh, not even end result, but kind of make you who you are. And, and impact you and you're able to kind of break through a lot of those um, learned problematic narratives and kind of right. forming this, this different thought. Right. Yeah. And as you're talking about that, I'm even thinking about the ways in which we're so trained to be like results oriented. And I think we put this idea of like, quote unquote, results on a pedestal so much. And what I do outside of the podcast is I help people who want mentorship with like starting their own business and like becoming healers. And a lot of that world of like business mentorship is so driven by like getting people results and, and data and all of those things. And I think with healing and, and any, any process that is nonlinear, of course, but healing, especially you might die before you like, quote unquote, have a result, you know, and, and as you're saying, it's not really so much about driving towards getting to a particular result. It's so much about allowing yourself to be with yourself while you're navigating all of the different ups and downs that may happen throughout your life. Yeah. 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 And I think that, um, 
while you were saying that, I was thinking about um, kind of like our next point in this. Charmaine and I have talked about this before about the kind of like the um, commodification of self-care. There's also a commodification mm-hmm. of healing. And when you begin to rethink of healing as kind of this this journey, like we said, and not this beginning and end, you also begin to rethink self-care because self-care becomes more than the commodified version, more than like, oh, I'm going to go to a spa, which to some people, self-care can be going to a spa, but self-care also comes in many different forms, just as healing comes in many different forms. For some people, self-care could be binging Netflix, reading a book, or, you know, staying inside, or whatever your form of self-care along with along your healing journey it will look different for everyone so I feel like there's this common narrative to where it's like this we live in a society where everything is a quick fix they want everything Mm -hmm. to be a quick fix and I feel like the current narrative of self-care replicates this ideology that things are a quick fix oh just like go and, and do an hour yoga and you're fine. Mm-hmm. And that that is not necessarily true. While yoga can be a self-care practice, yoga is not the end all to self-care and it's not the end all to mm-hmm. your healing journey. Like your self-care mm-hmm. journey does not end just as your healing journey as well does not end. And there is no, the journey looks, or the timetable of the journey looks different for everyone. You might see yourself going in like kind of like a circular or you might see yourself in more like a web like i feel like everyone's journey is gonna look different and no one is gonna have this start to finish oh i'm perfect look at me um and i also like how it was mentioned that it's not like that's a very powerful statement that you might die and your journey might not be complete because the idea of completion is such a, I feel like hegemonic thought process in itself. The idea of like goal and task oriented comes from a very like um, dominant narrative within society. So we almost have to get kind of like dig deep into ourselves and get rid of that kind of hierarchical goal, like end of the line thinking And that's not to say that a person can't have goals. Like we're not here to say don't have goals because of course you have goals. But I feel like you shouldn't shouldn't centralize yourself into this this dominant narrative of you have to finish or you have to reach a complete end in order to be, um, or you have to be quote unquote completely healed or you have to reach the end of your self-care to experience self-care, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think for me, the thing that I'm hearing, which is like, we've talked a lot about our relationship to goals and we have some episodes about that too. But I think one of the things that is coming together for me as you're talking, Ricky, is this sense of allowing yourself to accept yourself and to love yourself, even while you are like going after the goal itself. So it's not like, you know, as long as I never ever binge eat again, then I'll be proud of myself and then I'll feel good about myself. But then as soon as I start binge eating again, then I'm 
wrong and bad and I'm ashamed of myself. Just allowing like the, the whole concept of self-care, right? That's caring about yourself, allowing yourself to care about yourself and to value and love yourself as you are unfolding your healing journey, not just feeling like you can access that level of love for yourself once it's quote unquote done. Yeah. I was, as you were talking, I was thinking too, when you were talking about like the commodification of self-care, um, like seeing the parallel between that and like the kind of commodification of queer identity, like during mm -hmm. pride when they start selling rainbow everything, but there's no real like, um, commitment to actually bringing justice to the community. It's just about like, let's make sure that queer people also want to buy our products. Right. Um, and that the also like coming out is the big thing. Like you complete your journey when you accept yourself and you tell everyone that you're queer, but it's like, that's not the end. That's not, that's not the priority. Um, people could live their whole lives and not feel comfortable sharing that identity with others. And and some people come out and that doesn't mean I'm done. Like, okay, now I'm totally healed in that aspect of my identity. Like there's so much ongoing healing in that um, journey of accepting my queer and trans identities. Yeah, it's, I mean, it really, when you think about that, it's really like how capitalism, how deeply rooted in capitalist systems we exist and how it's not like, Unfortunately, you can't just separate yourself from, you can't just be like, okay, I'm not going to participate in capitalism. We are forced to participate to a large extent, but you're absolutely right. Like it's a lot of the, the kind of connection of identity and, and queerness is often commodified through capitalism. And you're absolutely right. Like it's, you know, making rainbow things like, oh, you know, I'm a, I'm a, and I've seen this a lot, which is not a critique by any means of anybody who you know, is like I said, we're all by some means having to participate in the system, but I see this a lot where it's like, Ricky and I have a term for this that we often use on the podcast. And we talk about a lot, which is like activism for clout. And it's like, I see this a lot with businesses where it's like, we're LGBTQIA plus allies. How? Because we sell rainbow pins, but yet a lot of their um, maybe ethos and a lot of maybe like the organizations that they support are very anti LGBTQA, or they make comments that are against that identity. And so, or those various identities. So that in of itself is so problematic and having to deconstruct some of those notions and also look really at allyship and what that entails is such a, I think that also is a process that involves a lot of, um, of, of self, of self and identity. And it's, it's that like kind of nonlinear process of um, kind of acknowledging some of those problematic behaviors, but actively working towards dis dismantling them. Yeah, Charmaine, I'm glad you brought up activism for clout. Cause I feel like, I feel like we, we like need to like, oh no, copyright that statement or something because I literally bring it up all the time. I actually just brought it up in, uh, this course that I'm taking trans feminist rhetoric and how like it I feel like activism for cloud is so embedded in our culture like it's so it's so embedded for us to just like post something and, and it's with the rise of social media I think too it's so embedded to just like post a black square or post a rainbow flag mm -hmm. or like just put on the um put on the insinuation that we are something that we are or we are standing for something our allies to a social justice cause with actually without actually doing the work 
without actually doing the research and the support. And this is not to say that like activism looks one way, just as spiritual activism as a whole has many different tools, many different practices. Activism in itself has so much more different like actions and preparations and support in so many different viewpoints in itself. But I think that if we are going to talk about holistic healing and holistic identity, that you have to also address um, quote-unquote activism for clout. And then I also thought when we were, um, when Lolly, when you brought up the point of, of coming out being like the finite stage of someone's identity journey, journey I thought about um, the course that I'm in because we talked about um, this book that I recently got that I'm going to read called Trapdoor and the um, it's called I just I just like pulled it up it's called Trapdoor um, Transcultural Production and the Politics of Visibility and like the politics of visibility and the politics of coming out and how it's not finite but also within that conversation there's this um, kind of like another layer of where identity in itself within Western cultural lens is a finite process. For example, when we're younger, people ask you, what do you wanna be when you grow up? Like, like growing up stops once you reach a certain point in life. Yeah. In this similar context, identity is also approached this way. Like recently I saw a post where um, someone posted saying that your pronouns can change. Like just because you choose a certain pronoun or just because you quote, quote unquote come out as a certain pronoun doesn't mean that you can't change again and change again. And I think we brought this up before. I don't remember what episode, but we talk about how we are all evolving beings and the evolution within ourselves, whether that's healing, identity, um, activism, whatever journey you're on is an evolving state and it's not finite. And I think that that conversation in itself is important to think about when we're gonna talk about holistic healing and holistic identity. Because if we are gonna talk about holistic identity, identity is not just one thing, it's multiple fragments of our beings. Like we are not just one thing, we are like multi-constructed beings if that makes sense like we don't just have a primary identity we have so many different complex identities that may change over time um and I think especially when it comes to gender and sexuality that people see identity as very restrictive very binary and by very like finite like once you reach a certain identity that's it and then society almost gets mad at you if you change your mind or if you try to um, identify yourself in a different matter, it's kind of like all the, all, all hell breaks loose when you try <laughs> to do that, basically. That's funny. As you're saying that, I, I got an email the other day um, saying, okay, if you're non-binary, then why do you take he, him pronouns? Like, that doesn't make sense. I thought non-binary people, like, didn't take he or she. Um, and I, I feel that a lot of people struggle with understanding that non-binary doesn't mean gender neutral, doesn't mean androgynous, it can mean whatever. Just like people who take she pronouns can dress however and act however, it's not It's not this binary thinking. Um, and I was thinking of how too, when you were saying about um, 
activism for cloud that I think if you're in this mind frame that I'm either good or bad, I'm either like an ally or I'm against, you know, I'm discriminating against these people. If you're operating from that binary, then you're like, well, doing this means that I'm on this side and so I'm good. Um, but I feel like if you can break out of that binary and see it as more of a journey of, you know, what does allyship mean and how can I work on my internalized isms and phobias um, to better, to be in more solidarity with this group and to not see solidarity towards with a certain group as separate from like my own healing. Um, yeah, if you can break out of that, I feel like you get so much more of what activism actually is and, and you, you get so much more healing for yourself as well in that process. Yeah, it sounds, I feel like the thing that I'm hearing, and I, I've noticed that a lot of my role in conversations tends to be like reflecting what I'm hearing. Um, so I, I'll say that a lot just so that everyone's aware. But it, it sounds like there's a, like an allusion to performative allyship and having this concept of performative allyship almost be built out into what you all are talking about, this whole like activism for clout thing, because I think a lot of the times people will consider allyship and activism to be the same thing. <laughs> and then they'll believe that they have become activists, right? Because they posted the black square or because they did, you know, they sold a rainbow pin. And I love what you all are saying, which is basically just like, like uh, obviously not to, not to say this is what you were saying, but to say what I'm hearing you say, um, which is, it sounds a lot like, you know, once you've done the black square or once you've like performed allyship, that doesn't make you an activist. Like it, it in no way are you advancing a cause, in no way are you contributing to the well being of that group of people. You're doing it, like you're saying, like you're just doing it for cloud, you're doing it to perform. And I just love the, that phrase so much and please trademark it if you can, because <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you appreciate that. Yeah, I think it's, it's you said that very well, um, Samara. Like, I think that there's so much that goes into what activism is and what being an ally is. And I mean, honestly, we're not always, like somebody may listen to this and say, oh, they didn't talk about X, Y, and Z or something else. Right. That's a component of it. And you know, that conversation could change and it could be expanded on by whoever joins a conversation. I'm sure that people will have so many different perspectives as to what being an ally entails and how to be a better, um, how to be a, a better ally. And, and I, I like how you use the word solidarity too. I just wanted to point that out because I think that is really important because if you are, if you believe that you are an activist, um, I think it is very important to um, consider consider your own isms, which I think that's great as well. Like we, I'm glad that we're having a lot more of these conversations surrounding these kind of social roles and these like social classes and um, kind of social, social terms. And I think it's very important to analyze that and to think about that and think about the internalized um, isms that we have and to be able to attempt to go on that healing journey and really think about working in solidarity, what being an ally is, what being an activist is, and how you can actually contribute um, towards a cause. Um, and that if you are like, if you know, some people feel they are, they are participating or contributing to a cause. Um, I think it's also important to analyze that and to think about that and say, okay, 
I'm doing this one thing, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm just going to give one example. Like I'm donating a monetary amount, um, how you're participating in certain systems. And again, it's not good or bad. It's not a, a binary thing. Um, there's a lot of different layers and components to it, but it's just like, I think at the root of it, it's really thinking about intentionality and then also about um, understanding, like understanding the systems that are at play and what you can do to either dismantle those, to go on your own journey, all of the above. Like, but I think it's just really important to, to think about that process. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel, I feel like, um, a lot of times, and I think we mentioned this before we, we live in such like a, like a, like I said, again, click fix, but in such like a rush process that we often don't fully, um, which I appreciate the word intuitive, um, because we talked about that a lot in our, um, spiritual activism class in, in discussing spiritual activism, like spiritual activism in itself, I feel like embodies like intuition and mindfulness and like taking a step back outside of like the rush and hustle of the world to be more aware and more insightful about um, what you're doing. So I feel like spiritual activism within itself directly combats the performative narrative because if you are if you are more in tuned, if you are using your intuition, if you are using different parts of yourself that is not just displayed in the outer, then it's harder for you to just come across as a performance or as a quote unquote activist for cloud because you're going to, even though you do post that square, you're going to think like if you were enacting on non-performative act activism you're going to think okay what else could i do i need to do more are you're going to look into your individual lives and see how else you can individually contribute maybe on a daily basis a weekly basis um which i feel like that's why spiritual activism is such a powerful tool because it helps with individual on an individual level connect on a collective level too so like um and I really like um, just to provide everyone, like, I guess, in true Great Matters fashion, like, a, like one different definition of spiritual activism um, was, was in the book, The Womanist Idea, and it's by Mapayan. And um, they note that spiritual activism acknowledges that we humans are energy changing machines, energy changing instruments, energy transformers. Spiritual activism is about manipulating energy, invisible energy, and visible manifestations, which can be called anything from magic to vibrational medicine to spiritual technologies. I really appreciate this um, definition because I feel that it focuses more on um, paying attention to our like internal energy, our individual energy, but also the energy of the collective and kind of using those energy forces and recognizing those energy forces in a more what's the word um and like you said intuitive enlightened way um i also like the word term magic because i feel like the term magic itself has become a commodification and has like 
the term itself has become like almost like this no-no term to some people but also like this term just thrown about without actually thinking about it but if we actually like take a step back and we think about spiritual activism there is almost kind of like this majestic or kind of like this um this different reality or this different world or like this very like I guess I could describe it as like an uplifting experience it's like when you meditate and you become like aware of like the the energy around you or even Charmaine when we were studying chakras or studying like yoga or studying like got I think we both got really into like astrology and like our charts and like re reading Channy Nichols and all of these different tools and practices that make us more aware of the world that exists outside of us but also the world that exists within us and I really appreciate that yeah I, I appreciate you bringing that up Ricky it's like almost some of these esoteric qualities we tend to kind of tap into some of those yeah I wonder if you want to share a little bit about how you use tarot with oh, me. <laughs> spiritual activism. How I use tarot with spiritual. Well, I think, so this is interesting because this is my first time seeing this particular definition of spiritual activism. The way that I teach or, or work with the concept of spiritual activism is generally, and for people who don't know, for your listeners especially, I train people who are interested in being tarot readers to read tarot through a socially aware lens and that work really entails a lot of helping people who already have an inclination to intuition and who maybe people who have been practicing tarot for like 20 years or something like that like they're really in touch with their intuition and they're looking to see how they can bring those intuitive skills and abilities that they have cultivated over time into conversations about social change. So I feel like I think about it backwards um, when I'm helping people think about these things. And what I really do is help people utilize what they've already cultivated as far as their relationship to spirit and start opening up the conversation with their spirits and with their higher self about what they can be doing to advance the different causes that they're led to. And so thinking about their own life experiences, the challenges that they've had, and then the privileges that they enjoy and how those things are working together, not just like for their own good, but how all those things are working together for their role in the revolution itself. So it's definitely like an inside out um, approach to spiritual activism. So it's really special hearing you all talk about your perspective too. Um, I really appreciate that. I was listening to, I haven't f finished it, but I was listening to your most recent episode um, about tarot. I'm sorry. It might not be your most recent, but it's the most recent one I listened to, <laughs> but it was, yeah, you had a, I think two guests on there as well, but I really enjoyed that because I found a lot of connections and I, I always love hearing about um, hearing people talk about tarot. It's not something I've delved into too much. It's definitely something I would like to delve into more, but I, I'm kind of like fascinated by it. And I love to observe those that really have a connection with tarot. I think it's really special. Yeah. I love tarot. I'm, I'm happy to, to <laughs> talk about tarot forever. So you can always reach out to me if you have questions or anything about that. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I think 
Oh, go ahead. Um, I was just going to say that um, the reason I wanted Samara to talk about tarot is because when I think about this like intertwining of like this inner work and the external world, like I always think about the way that you interpreted um, the cards in that course. And it's a lot easier for me to like see that direct connection. And then um, like, as I cultivate my own inner world, inner work and inner world, like I, it's, it's easier for me to imagine, to envision how to bring about that change in the external world and to help guide others on that journey um, not just of like, this is my image of what I would ideally love the external world to be, but this is how you can, for yourself, imagine what healing looks like for you and what you, what change you want to bring about in the world and, and to see that connection between your inner world and the outer world. Yeah, because really what you're doing is you're expanding your own realm of possibility. Mm -hmm. Like you allow yourself to see things that you wouldn't have always considered and you also allow yourself to see capabilities within yourself that you wouldn't really allow yourself to tap into otherwise. And I think just watching your journey with like your gender and how your spirituality has been such a crucial part of mm -hmm. your gender journey, it really inspires me to think about what people who actually commit to their own, to cultivating their own inner world can accomplish for themselves and now you're you're sharing that with other people so i don't know i feel like you're the perfect example of that oh thank you <laughs> yeah and i really appreciate like um what you said about like the internal and how tarot can be um a, a tool yes a tool to kind of um I would like to say investigate the more of the internal and I think um and I also want to preface like there's so many I encourage everyone listening to really look into the different spiritual um activism tool and practices because there are so many different tools and practices out there and you don't have to um have every tool and practice like I encourage everyone to find a tool and practice that really works for you and I feel like we all get individual messages from different practices um and some might not work for some people like I had a friend I tried to do yoga with and yoga was not her practice because she just you know she's like one of those people who can't sit still and she's like on the move on the move on the move um so her practice looked different than mine I love yoga because I love to Sometimes I just like to lay in, like, I don't know. Um, I like to um, lay in, I forgot the name of the position, but it's the one where you're on the ground and you're hugging your knees because sometimes I just need to like lay in that position and meditate or like just calm down. I'm a, I'm a I need to calm down person and I find uh -huh. yoga very calming um, rather than um, a very like, I don't need more hype. I need mm -hmm. calm. So therefore, yoga as a practice work for me, um, works for me. And um, if you need more insights into um, the different practices and different tools, I definitely um, recommend anyone listening to check out our, um, our episode, but also check out um, Intuitive Wellness Podcast episode that they have on tarot and definitely take a listen because that's a lot of insightful information there. Um, 
but also there was a conversation that we had with Emmy Perez where um, she talked about creative writing as mm. another tool. I would say that creative writing can be a practice, I guess a practice or a tool. I can't, I, I need to think about that some more <laughs> within spiritual activism itself too, um, because our even creative works in general um, can also be within um, spiritual activism because it also there's spirituality if you're a dancer if you're an artist if you are a poet um, there's a lot of like connection to our our soul our imagination within that practice I'm gonna say practice within that pra whatever pra creative practice I'll say creative practice within whatever creative practice that you do it can also be um, a form of spiritual activism within itself. So there are many different forms for many different people. And I feel like it just takes time to do a little bit of investigation and research to really find a, a, a practice or a tool that speaks to you. I, I think there's a lot of healing as well. And I'm glad you brought up that episode with Emmy Perez, uh, Ricky, because it's like, there's so much healing in a lot of these creative works. And not only do we have, we discover things about the, about ourselves because that in of itself, I think can be a very, um, kind of like hegemonic and, um, in some ways hegemonic, but also like a very capitalist practice to like discover, because it mm -hmm. goes back to our conversation mm -hmm. earlier about the ends and like having a kind of a finite conclusion to everything. But, mm -hmm. um, in addition to just like, and by, so I guess I, I, I don't mean discover in that way. I mean, discover like in the way of um, discovering various ways that it's healing for us mm -hmm. and kind of connects to our healing journey. And that these, these journeys and these practices are also very like non-linear. They don't have like a, uh, you know, I think, especially when I started yoga years ago, like there was this idea that, um, you know, it's like, okay, you start with like your basic levels and you start with your very basic asanas and then you build up and you do more intensity and you do, you know, um, like the more intense asanas and, and you mm -hmm. do more intense flow. And yes, that may work for some people and that works some days, but I would get so frustrated with my journey because same thing with meditation. Like there'd be some days I would be able to do a wonderful meditation, often guided, often not. And then there'd be other days where I do like two minutes and I just, I couldn't do it anymore. And once I kind of deconstructed that thought process and I realized that it takes so much more and that there are going to be days that I'm going to have a, you know, a more um, active practice. And some days it's going to be more passive and some days it's not going to be categorized as anything, but it's just, this is what it looks like in that moment. And I think really dismantling kind of expectations for ourselves oftentimes mm -hmm. um, is important in being able to kind of be a part of that, of that, um, that non-linear healing process and that journey, because again, it's like, kind of, I think we said this earlier too, about like goals aren't bad and it's not bad to, you know, have an, uh, want to have an outcome. But I think it's important to recognize that in a non-linear process, especially if you are trying to deconstruct and kind of dismantle that process that, um, it's not always going to, to fall into a, like a, and then B and then C kind of framework. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you all listen to the podcast Yoga is Dead? No, I have not heard of that. Have you heard of it, Ricky? I have not, but I, I will look at it. I yeah. feel like now. you all might be into it. It's these two Indian American yoga teachers who did their yoga training in India and they were raised in the U.S. and they 
talk about the ways in which like they have different episodes so they'll have like a vinyasa killed yoga white women killed yoga um 200 hours killed yoga and just all these different ways in which like the commodification and capitalism of yoga has departed it from like what its true essence is so Mm. if you all like yoga you might like that podcast thanks i'll check it out yeah thanks and we will um list it on our resources page for listeners who also want to check out the podcast um we have a resources page on our website so we would definitely list list that podcast on podcast list the podcast on our resources <laughs> page for those of you who want to explore more into yoga as a spiritual activism practice too and i'm glad i just want to add because this is an entirely different conversation or maybe an entirely <laughs> an extension of this conversation but i appreciate that there to Indian American women. Cause I think that's a whole nother thing that's really important and being able to kind of um, dismantle and de- deconstruct the Westernization and the colonization of a lot of these practices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and help um, others understand the magnitude of appropriation as well when it comes to yoga um, as a spiritual activist practice spiritual activist practice and if you are going to use any of these tools and practices I do recommend that you do some research um, into the originators of the tools and the practices um, just to kind of learn more about um, the non-appropriated practice and tools because that's definitely something we talk about um, is as activists and as people who are more in tune with the world around us, we definitely want to be more aware of appropriation, appropriation also within ourselves. So that's just a side tip for anyone listening, wanting to learn more about any of the tools and practices. Um, and not saying you have to be an expert, but just, you know, learn doing a little bit more research outside of the Western um, cultural lens in the Western like capitalist commodified lens as well. Yeah, if I could, I also wanna share another resource um, and I'm not sure if you've mentioned this in the podcast before, if you know about um, Rachel Ricketts work on spiritual activism. Um, so she's, oh, she's, awesome. <laughs> she's a black Indian queer woman who is like an advocate for racial justice. And she has these two workshops where she basically helps people um, work on their own internalized racism. And she uses breath work um, as a tool to help folks kind of heal that within themselves. Um, And a lot of the things that you're bringing up about appropriation um, and the stuff that we talked about before with like performative allyship, um, she talks a lot about that in her workshops to help people kind of distinguish like, am I doing this from a place of guilt or am I, you know, invested in actually working on this within myself and healing my own fragility and, not putting my emotions on the people that I am harming. So I think that's a great resource as well. Thank you for sharing that. I love that. I love examining. Um, This is also maybe partially from my like undergrad psych work, but I love examining um, like where things come from, especially if they're connected to guilt. Cause I think there is so much of that. and that's important. It's important to address that in our in our healing processes. And I like that that's with breath work. That's very interesting. Thank you. I'm gonna check that out. Yeah. yeah. 
we'll list that as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. I can send you all the links. Yay, thank you. Yay, yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. And um, wow, thank you so much for this conversation. We really appreciate having you talk to us today and talk to and talk to our listeners and really have a deep dive into healing and identity and um, its connection to spiritual activism. Um, as always, um, we are here for you. If you, our listeners, have any questions um, for the Intuitive Wellness Podcast or for us, um, please let us know. You can email us, um, DM us on Instagram. Um, but thank you so much, Intuitive Wellness Podcast, Lolly and Samara, for um, joining us. We really appreciate having you here. Uh, thank yes, you so thank much. You. Yeah, thanks for having us. And of course, for anyone listening on our platform, we are so, so grateful to Gray Matters, the blog, for reaching out and for wanting to do this collab. It's my first time being on a collab like this, so I'm loving this. And yeah, this has been really beautiful. Thank you so much. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, thank you. We we really um, enjoyed this conversation and, and we hope our listeners will as well. <laughs> thanks. Thank Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. We appreciate your support. You can continue to show your support by giving the podcast five stars and by following us on our website, graymatterstheblog.com. That's gray with an A and on Instagram, as well as sharing and commenting on our posts on at graymatterstheblog. We want to connect with our Gray Matters community. That's you, our listeners. So if you have a comment or inquiry about customizable trainings and workshops, email us at graymatterstheblog at gmail.com. Stay safe, everyone, and we will chat with you next week.